The following message was given to the North Young Adult Group at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Moundsview, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church slash Young Adults. Today our focus is on Christian friendship um, under the banner of last month's talk, which is uh, joying God through loving and serving others. So last time we talked about the reason for our existence um, is to uh, make much of God by enjoying God. It's like the affections, right? God gets more glory when uh, we love him uh, more than merely just knowing about him, right? And, and then I said that, uh, that that being full of God overflows to meeting the needs of others, to including others in that joy, even when it's costly. That's what it does. You, you're filled with God and his fullness, and that overflows. You know, God has met all your needs in Christ. That overflows to where you, uh, you meet the needs of others. You serve others. You love others. You forgive others. You know, just as you've been forgiven, that kind of thing. Even when it's costly, especially when it's costly. And in that costly life of service, your joy in God actually increases. That's kind of the thesis. And one example would be Paul and Silas in prison singing hymns and rejoicing, that type, of, that type of joy in suffering is what we're talking about. And so now we're going to try to get in some of the specifics of that. Uh, how does that play out in our lives? I'm going to talk about Christian friendship. Next month, Nick Brazis is going to talk about uh, tithing and giving and how that plays, that's a specific way this plays out. And so tonight's lesson is on Christian friendship. C.S. Lewis says that friendship is the greatest of worldly goods. Certainly to me, it is the chief happiness of life. <laughs> That's a happy quote by C.S. Lewis about friendship. Um, and there's so much I could say about friendship. Uh, there's so many principles, right? Uh, there's so many things we could go to, so many scenarios we could discuss, and so making this lesson was hard because it was like trying to compile which out of the 300 great principles to, to talk about, but um, do my best. Um, Christian friendship. Um, and then as an introduction, I just want to make three comments. Um, number one, just want to comment on the Trinity. Uh, God is three in one. Right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, God is triune. God is communal in his very nature. And so flowing from that, since God is relational and we are created in the image of God, it makes sense that we're relational. And it makes sense that one of, one of the first things God points out is it's not good for man to be alone in the garden. Right? And just making that connection from the Trinity. From the, Trinity. Um, the second thing, marriage... Um, uh, if you're married, then your spouse is probably going to be or should be the person you primarily pursue in friendship, right? I think Noel was telling me that there's some pushback on that, and I could see where that would come. But um, So I just want to throw out that category. The aloneness of Adam was resolved with the creation of a woman within the context of covenant, right? So even if you're not married, I just want to throw out the category uh, that your spouse 
uh, will be the person you primarily pursue in friendship. Finally, by way of introduction, um, Jesus appoints 12 disciples. And I just want to share this verse. And he appointed 12 whom he named apostles so that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach. So I just want to, that little phrase, so that they might be with him. Um, I don't think we want to pick apart too much, but just the fact that Jesus chose 12 just to be with him uh, perhaps suggests just in Jesus' very human nature the need for uh, community and friendship. Um, and so I just want to throw out that first. Brian Tab uh, pointed that out to us in our first year seminary. I thought that was really good. Um, Jesus choosing the 12 apostles to be with him. So definition of friendship. Um, I made a definition I couldn't find a good definition. Maybe I read the wrong things. I don't know. Um, So I made my own definition. Christian friendship, as I'm defining it, is intentionally linking arms with a brother and sister in Christ as you pursue the kingdom. That's, that's, uh, and this, let's call it a working definition. You guys, after this, come up and help me work it even better. Uh, Christian friendship is intentionally linking arms with a brother and sister in Christ as you pursue the kingdom. So um, before I start getting into like serving and loving others, your friends, I'm going to unpack just how I got here. Number one, intentionally linking arms. And uh, I think there's a difference between being friendly and being a friend. So I just want to make that distinction. As Christians, I think we're supposed to be, you know, generally <laughs> friendly towards everyone you know, kind and compassionate and Christ-like. But a friend, to narrow that in, is someone that you are linking uh, arms with in a more intentional way than just general friendliness. Um, It's someone you intentionally pursue, someone you're keeping in contact with, you're doing things with, and so on, right? Is that fair? Kind of narrowing that down. So there's an intentionality there is the main point. Number two, brother and sister in Christ. So who are you going to be linking arms with? As Christians, uh, our friendships are going to be primarily oriented towards other Christians. Okay? Uh, people headed in the same direction as us. Um, your friends should be Christians. They should love Christ. They should be repentant of their sins. They should love righteousness. They should love living out their faith. They need to be primarily believers and they should be generally solid believers, mature believers. That's who you're looking for. Um, and when it comes to this aspect, I think it's important to note that you, you should and can be somewhat picky in picking your friends. Okay? Um, and I get that little sentence from some of the Proverbs. So let me just read some. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion, the companion of fools will suffer harm, right? Uh, make no friends with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. The one who keeps the law is a son with understanding, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. He who loves wisdom makes his father glad, but a companion of prostitutes squanders his wealth. 
Um, and so from that, uh, I think the implication is you get to choose who you're going to spend your time with, right? That intentionality. And there's a, there is a, an, the idea that you should be somewhat picky in who you're going to intentionally spend your time with. Um, I could have added the Proverbs of, you know, how you're shaped by those you're around. Um, and that's just, I think it's just important to be able to, to note that. Now, don't, I don't want us to get this point mixed up with picking someone just like you necessarily or like having some weird standard that's impossible to meet. Like you can't be friends with anyone unless they're, they're you know, Jesus is Jesus 2.0 or something. Um, I don't, it doesn't mean that if you like fishing, cooking, or running that you only pick those types of people to be your friends. Um, what is more fundamental than the things you enjoy is your common mission of living for the kingdom of God, right? That's more fundamental than some of the things you enjoy. And we're going to talk more about that. But um, um, that centrality will mean that you will have friends who are different than you in a lot of ways, and yet... Um, the kingdom-mindedness will bring uh, you together in friendship. Uh, And so I just want to throw out that point. So, number one, intentionally linking arms with a brother and sister in Christ. And then flowing from that is you guys are pursuing the kingdom, right? As Christians and friendships, we pursue the kingdom. So I have a long quote here by Robert Wilkin. The deepest friendships exist only among those whose lives are oriented to a higher good. Many things bind friends together, reading, painting, sailing, travel, adventures, ideas. But there must be some other thing, some immaterial quarry. In the Christian tradition, that quarry it, uh, can only be the good, as Augustine explains. The good itself is God. Not good with some other good, but the good of every good. The deepest friendships are oriented around the good of every good, which is God, and headed in that direction. Um, So the reason you need Christian friends is because you need friends, I mean, who are headed in the same direction as you are. Uh, We're unashamedly pursuing Jesus, right? Unashamedly, we pursue Jesus, that's our life. And it won't work for you to have a legitimate friendship with someone who's not pursuing Jesus. Just practically. Um, James 4.4, 4, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So as Christians, we're pursuing Jesus, and friendship should be getting us to Jesus. Friendship is never the goal or the end. The end is Jesus and the glory of God. Remember last, last month's lesson, that's the end, and friendship is getting us there. Um, so I as was, I, was, I was writing this, I was, like, I was like, uh-oh, we have this whole thing in our church about befriending, friendship evangelism. And then there's also all those texts about Jesus eating with sinners. So those were two things that came to my mind. So what about, what about friendship evangelism, something um, I promote with Vince, and I love it. And what about Jesus eating with sinners? So Jesus is accused 
the son of man has come eating and drinking. And you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. That's what Jesus is getting um, accused of. Kevin DeYoung writes a really good article, and he says, Jesus was a friend of sinners, not because he winked at sin, ignored sin, or enjoyed lighthearted revelry with those engaged in immorality. Jesus was a friend of sinners in that he came to save sinners and was very pleased to welcome sinners who were open to the gospel, sorry for their sins, and on their way to putting their faith in him. Do you notice those qualifiers that Kevin DeYoung adds? They were open to the gospel, sorry for their sins, and on their way to putting uh, their faith in him. So I still have a context for friendship evangelism. Um, but uh, I think friendship with unbelievers at some point hits a wall. Um, Doug Wilson writes, if you had, a, had the best relationship in the world with your mother, how could you be complete friends with someone who despised her? Um, so as you befriend unbelievers, I think um, there's no hiding in your friendship who you are or where you're headed. Um, you're a Christian who loves righteousness and you're on your way to heaven. So we should befriend unbelievers genuinely. Um, I think we should invite them over. We should inquire about their lives. We should help them with projects they're working on. Um, and we should let them know the direction we're heading, which is towards Jesus. And just as Jesus engaged them for the sake of bringing them into the kingdom, so we should befriend unbelievers um, for the sake of bringing them into the kingdom. And there's so many scenarios you can start to think of, right, of how this can get complicated. And uh, I think I would just say a big part of wisdom here comes if, uh, d- depending on how influential they are on you. Like, do you even have the ability to talk about Jesus with them? Or is that not even happening? Or are you being more swayed by them? Do, do you have a voice in the friendship? You know, all those sorts of things play into the wisdom factor of this, I think. But we could, we could go into that more. Um, so that's all introduction. Uh, that's my definition. Uh, intentionally linking arms, primarily with a brother and sister in Christ, as you pursue the kingdom. So for friendships. And now I want to talk about just some, uh, there's so many things I could list here, uh, just some practical ways to serve and love your friends. And this is in no way a perfect list, um, but it's just, I think I have six or seven things. Um, now, number one, this, this could be introductory, have friends and fellowship. Um, you should have friends. Uh, some of us are oriented to having friends, to texting your friends, to inviting them in your life, to, to accepting their, their invites into your life. Uh, so some of us want to be friends with everybody. Others of you aren't oriented this way. <laughs> you don't feel any need to keep in touch with others. You enjoy your alone time, and it just feels like so much work, <laughs> right? So people on both ends of the spectrum. Um, and on both ends, you want a balance of not trying to be friends with everyone from Bethlehem, because you can't, <laughs> and also not being so exclusive to where you aren't connecting with anyone. We need friends. It's not good for us to be alone. I'm just thinking of... Ecclesiastes, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. 
So number one, have friends in fellowship. Um, yeah, pursue it. Number two, gratitude. Um, I read a really good article from Peter Lightheart um, exposing the works of Thomas Eliot, who writes on the topic of ingratitude. And this was really good for me to think about. Um, so he's just, he's just talking about um, forgetfulness when, as it relates to friendship. The most vicious form of unkindness is forgetfulness. Forgetful ingratitude makes men worse than beasts. Even beasts can remember a benefit after they've received it. For instance, a horse will allow the one who feeds him and keeps him to ride. But anyone else who tries to ride, even if he's a king, the horse will throw him. Gratitude is the bond of friendship. Um, so thankfulness, I think, acknowledges the benefit that you receive from those in your life, your friends. Um, when there, where there's no thankfulness, you'll be prone to, uh, to benefit from a brother or sister in Christ without acknowledging it. Um, and if, if you live there, you'll be prone to end a friendship um, and move on to a friendship that will benefit you more you know, so you start living for yourself and your friendships. I think that's what happens if, you, if you're forgetful and, and uh, don't practice thankfulness. Um, I think in, instead of always accumulating in the back of our heads the ways people wrong us or, are, uh, or fall short, uh, we should accumulate in our heads ways that we have been blessed by our friends, by the people in our life. You know what I'm talking about? You, you can... We almost have these storehouses here that we can accumulate things. And, um, and instead of accumulating um, ways that people wrong us or are weak or, you know, aren't like us or all these things, accumulate ways we've benefited from our friends. And then communicate those things verbally face-to-face with your friend. So I'm trying to get really practical here. So thank you for buying me coffee. Thank you for answering my 1 a.m. phone call when there was spiritual warfare. Thank you for meeting and talking to my sister when she visited from West Virginia. Thank you that when I was gossiping, you did not feed it or indulge in it with me. Just really specifically going to your friends and thanking them for the ways they benefit you. Every one of us are benefited. are who we are because of the influence of others. If you can't list the, the influence of others and who has shaped you, it doesn't mean you weren't influenced. It means you've forgotten and are unthankful of how you were influenced. And so remembering the ways you've been helped by your friends and telling them and thanking them will encourage your friends to continue being friends and it will reinforce your loyalty and joy in the friendship. Right? Um, I, just, I just think this is so good. So not forgetting or not storing up how you're receiving grace from your brother and sister in Christ. God has ordained it for us to receive grace through other humans. And so we should be alert of the grace that's coming and, and be thankful for it. And so that's my second point. I think that's a way you can serve your friends. 
You can serve and love your friends by thanking them. Number three, give and take. Give and take in friendships. Um, Aristotle saw friendship as a sort of mere thing where uh, um, you choose a friend, basically, based off your own likes and preferences. And so basically, you're you have yourself in mind. It's a mirror friendship. You look in the mirror and you see you. And so it's this, this uh, kind of self-centered. And Kierkegaard pushes back on this. And uh, basically that says that's just disguise for narcissism, basically. If, you're, if you only can be friends with people who are exactly like you, so it's a mirror, that's, that's self-disguise. Like you love yourself. Um, and so Sandra Lynch, in an article, tries to balance this by being friends on the basis of differences. That's a better route because it implies that a person will be willing to be changed and influenced by someone outside of them, by their friend. And thus, the two people can help one another and are being changed by one another um, rather than being friends with people just like them which uh, C.S. Lewis says, that just leads to clicks, right? Um, And I think that the Bible teaches, or at least allows for a balance of give and take in friendship. So um, just looking at Philippians 2.4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. All right, so just having that principle in mind. Uh, You're looking out for other people's interests. Philippians 4.15, Paul's talking to Philippians and he says, um, in the beginning, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Um, And so I think when friendships are centered on Christ, there's a mutual giving and receiving um, in the relationship. And so, um, I think I'm pushing for just a good balance of those two things. Like, of course you want common interests and you're going to try to, you know, uh, if one of you likes McDonald's and Wendy's, silly example, you're both going to always try to, you know, uh, give to the other person's preference, but it's give and take in the, in the friendship. Um, and that's okay. I think that's what Paul's saying. So I want to give uh, three points of application to this give and take. Number one, when you're in need, ask your friend for help. When you're in need, ask your friend for help. Ask for help moving into your new house. Ask for input on a conflict you're having. You are a needy person. <laughs> ask, ask for help. Unfortunately, most of us, because of pride, would rather be loved for our togetherness and not despite our brokenness. That's how we're wired. Um, We would rather be loved for our togetherness, not despite our brokenness. And Christianity fundamentally has a premise that you're needy, right? That's like fundamental to Christianity. We are needy and we need Jesus and the body of Christ. So practice uh, by asking. Asking for help when you're needy. 
Number two, receive well, whether you ask or not. Receive well. If they say don't Venmo them money, sometimes don't. Instead, say thank you and don't Venmo them. And then don't feel guilty. Don't feel like you need to repay. Be grateful. And thank God for his grace in the life of your friend to reach out to you just as Jesus has. So when it's time to receive, receive well. And that's just one example I could, I could think of. Number three, give. Give and take, right? Always be looking for ways to give, serve, and love. And when you serve, don't expect or require anything in return. And don't store that giving up in your mind, like, so that when you're wronged, you can pull out eight ways you served them as a way to pin them down with it, right? So don't store that giving. Serve in love and don't expect anything in return. Don't expect for your deed to go public. Don't expect for your friend to give you extra attention. And see, instead, seek to please God in serving your friend. Seek to please God in serving your friend. Aim to do things so that you get as little attention from it as possible. And remember, it's more blessed to give than to receive, right? And my hunch with this give point is, uh, if you want their praise, you may get it, but what will bring you more joy is the pleasure of God. That will give you more joy, even if it's costly for you. And so that's number three is give and take. Number four, listen. This is one way you can serve and love your friends is by listening to them. James 1.19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Isn't that good? Um, Sean Lucas writes in an article, in the same way, we are to set aside what we are doing and listen to our friend with a single-minded interest. For it is in this faithful listening to one another that we are able to carry out James's admonition to be quick to listen and that we might keep faith with those who are our friends. So there's a time to listen, a time to speak. Um, and a lot of time, just listening is very powerful. And as you listen, you don't always need to be thinking about what you're going to say back or how you're going to fix the problem that they're telling you about or how weird they are, just listen. Sometimes there's more power in listening than in your wisest counsel. So one way you can serve your friends is by listening. Number five, and this goes back to what we talked about earlier, uh, friendship, uh, be willing to be changed and to be honest with, an, with one another. Uh, to be changed and be straight with one another. Um, and Proverbs 27, 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So a friend may wound you. An enemy will, uh, um, will kiss you with an over amount of compliments. That's kind of the proverb. Um, I was just talking to, you guys know Kristen Christensen from our church? So a couple of you do. And we were talking, she stopped 
by the cubicle the other day about how friendship shouldn't be easy. <laughs> if, it, if it's easy, then it's probably not a deep friendship. Um, friend, friends wound each other. And if they're good friends, the wounds of, are going to be faithfulness. They're going to be wounds of faithfulness. Um, and so this is really hard to do. Be open to being changed, corrected, balanced, and guided by your friends. Um, I know, you know, especially at our age, the, with, your friend might not always be right. Um, you, you don't have to agree with every bit of pushback. Um, but if you're unwilling to even hear and to be changed, then there's a problem. Um, so serve your friends by being the type of person who's receptive and responsive to their input, even when it's hard. Does that make sense? That's in, conceptually, that's easy. When the pushback hurts, this is very difficult. It's very difficult when the pushback hurts. When the pushback doesn't hurt, this is really easy and feels good. Um, on the other hand, have the courage and the faith in how God has set up relationships to be the person to guide and correct and balance your friend. Um, right? Sometimes the easy way out is not to say anything. It's not necessarily the more loving way. Serve your friend by having the courage and faith in God to say something. And if you do need to wound a brother or sister, make sure it's a faithful wound. Make sure it's a faithful wound. And so here's some, um, just kind of parsing this out. Uh, Put a stop to and don't tolerate sin in your friendships, like gossip, selfishness, pride, laziness. Um, um, friendship, this is a quote. Um, I don't remember the name. I, I did it wrong. It's not Rebecca Merkel. It's Genevit, Genevit, something like that. Um, friendship is not an excuse to let all our messiness hang out. That was a good quote. Um, b- uh, another point of application, be slow to get angry or defensive when someone stops you in your sin. Um, and when you are defensive, uh, and you recognize it later, which happens, uh, verbalize that to them. Come back to them. Hey, I know I got defensive when you told me I was gossiping about my mom, but now that I've thought about it more, I think, think you're right. Appreciate you calling me out on that. Um, that's hard to do. It's hard to do. Uh, so number five is uh, be willing to be changed and to be straight with one another. That's the way you can serve one another in friendship as you pursue the kingdom, which is our final point tonight. Pursue God's kingdom in friendship. In friendship, uh, I was thinking about this. You're either pursuing your kingdom, the other person's kingdom, or God's kingdom. In the first sense, you could be pursuing your own kingdom. In this sense, you are using the friendship to fulfill all your selfish desires. And here's uh, Paul Tripp. Our relationships are shaped by an infrastructure of subtle expectations and silent demands. We know what we want from people and how to get it from them. We seek to surround ourselves with people who will serve our kingdom purposes. And we evaluate them not from the perspective of the laws of God's kingdom, but from the perspective of the, of the laws of our kingdom. Um, yeah, so in the first sense, I'm arguing against this. You could be pursuing your own kingdom in your friendships. In the second sense, you could be pursuing the other person's kingdom. And I have in mind here maybe a type of friendship where you're being manipulated 
by the other person in the sense that you could be bowing to your friend's kingdom. Uh, This would mean, in a sense, moving with their every move, meeting every demand they make of you, um, enslaving yourself to their perception and expectation of you, right? So so in that sense, don't don't, uh, bow to the kingdom of your friend, um, which, which happens. So don't, don't have your own kingdom in mind. Don't bow to their kingdom. In the third sense, it's pursuing God's kingdom. Um, and this means, among other things, sin's not okay, right? A friendship doesn't mean we should tolerate sin, like we just talked about. Call it venting, call it sincerity, call it whatever. Uh, sin should not be tolerated. And second, be involved in kingdom work. Be involved in kingdom work. Evangelism, church life, righteousness, discipleship, family development. Uh, Friendship is more side by side, linking arms, heading towards the kingdom. It's not as much face to face, which I think is more, if you read articles on friendship, they'll say that's more romance. Friendship is linking arms and pursuing the kingdom side by side. Jankovic, Jankovic, does anyone know their name? Thank you, Jankovic. All right, she says this. Um, I have it on quote. Defining things about friendship should not be searching our hearts. These are defining things. Searching our hearts, unburdening our souls to one another, writing in all our journals, struggling with all these things. It ought to be be defined by doing by baking bread, not gazing inwards, making our homes beautiful, showing hospitality, changing diapers. She's talking to women here, but I think the principle is good. Looking out for the needy, holiday prepping. But in all these things, uh, these things should be uh, carried out in an atmosphere in which there's a zero tolerance policy for sin. Zero tolerance for sin. Um, so defining things about friendship should be involved in kingdom work side by side. I think that's really good and protects us from a lot of things. Um, And so that's number six is pursue uh, the kingdom of God. Um, I do have another one, but I'm talking too long, so I'll go through it quickly. Uh, Practice the one another's of scripture. Um, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another, brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Um, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own eyes. Um, At the heart of friendship is practicing these one another's with each other. Um, and when it comes to all this, you need the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to know which one needs, is needed in this moment. Which one is needed in this moment? A bless, uh, to rejoice, to weep, to say something, to not say something, to speak, to listen. Uh, you know, it takes wisdom to know when to apply, and the Holy Spirit gives uh, wisdom for that. So practice the one another's. In conclusion, I just want to point out that Christ is our model friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear.
We just sang it. Christ is our model friend. Christ perfectly applies to you all the components of friendship. His righteousness corrects you. His teaching exhorts you. His love welcomes you. His correction shapes you. His presence blesses you. His example guides you. His strength enables you. His humility receives you. His generosity benefits you. His resurrection births you. His friendship sustains you. Greater love has no, no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. This is Jesus. You are my friends. If you do, I command you. No longer do I call you servants. For the servant doesn't know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. It's amazing. That's amazing. All Jesus knows and has heard from his father, he makes known to us. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. So friendship is rooted in Jesus and it spreads to one another. Isn't that amazing? Father, we're so thankful for our friendship with Christ. We're so thankful that you sent Christ on earth as a human to die, to be raised from the dead, and to send the Holy Spirit and to make known all the things he has heard from you to us, to make us his friends. We're so thankful. I ask, Lord, that you would um, create and sustain solid friendships um, among the young adults here, that you would use this lesson even to provoke um, growth in this area, to provoke more integrity in friendships, um, to remove maybe some of the manipulative tendencies that we all have to some degree, um, that you would give us a vision for what it looks like to love and serve one another as you have loved and served us, and that there's more joy in being friends as you unpack it for us, than to serving our own kingdom. That there's more joy in giving, that there's more joy in sacrificing for our brothers and sisters in Christ um, than in serving our own selves. So would you help us with this and encourage us in this? And um, I ask for all the small groups that um, you would cultivate good friendships in the small groups and that, um, that they would be solid uh, and stable, and that um, you would give us the humility to sharpen and encourage one another. Uh, we ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Young Adult Ministry at Bethlehem Baptist Church, North Campus in Moundsview, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without express written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church slash Young Adults.